Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. I must admit, I'm just a little bit nervous, so you have to pray for me because uh, tomorrow we invited a few friends over tomorrow for... Um, celebrate 4th of July and uh, I'm barbecuing um, and that's what I'm a little nervous about because (laughs) see I used to have a propane grill you know like you just turn on the gas and you can't fail like he won't fail it wouldn't fail unless you ran out of gas right you just but then like I I switched over to real man stuff where you have to keep the fire lit and I I I don't feel like a real man anymore (laughs) so then you know what I did I had the I had the the propane, uh, uh, the propane, whatever it's called, the grill. I, 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 I had it out by the dump, and I was going to go, like, let go of it or say free to anyone, and I pulled it back off the curb. <laughs> and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it as a backup right here, so it's going to be right here, and then the one that I'm lighting is going to be right here. So somebody pray for manhood to come over, a spirit of lighting the fire. And <laughs> my wife's stretching out. No, not you, okay? <laughs> but uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, we're on this I Believe series. And the reason why, I know the Lord was stirring my heart about it. The reason why is because our faith is under attack. Not just our faith as a church, but the faith of our country, the faith of our world, it's under attack. I mean, all the, all the things of trying to break down who you are, what you believe, your faith, break down what even the church is about, and break down um, people's family units, breaking down the, the, the person, and our faith is under attack. What we really believe is under attack. And the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So I was praying about some things, and the Lord put on my heart and said, I want you to start a series called I Believe and go over the 10 things that you believe. And what was reminded, what, was, what I was reminded of was in the book of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't just say that to the church. He said that to, to people. What he was saying was people make disciples. But when I've talked with people and I said, have you ever discipled somebody? And they would say, well, you don't want me to disciple them. Like, I'll lead them in the ditch. You know, I don't know how to disciple people. People usually don't feel confident in knowing how. They're confident for themselves, maybe. But how to explain it to somebody else. Like, how to take the scriptures and explain it. And so, what we're doing is I'm taking uh, 10 lessons. And um, I'm putting in, in 20 questions, okay? 20 questions. And with scriptures, just to be able to, so you can, not just to disciple you, but so that you can take someone else and go through and lay the foundation of what the word says about things. By the way, the laying a foundation, you can't lay another foundation, scripture says, except by Jesus Christ. You can't come up with your own foundation. Well, here's what works for me. <laughs> Well, that's probably not working for you, first of all. Maybe it's something else. Maybe someone is praying for you real strong and you think it's what it is. Unless it's the Lord and his ways and his principles and his voice, it ain't working, right? So we're trying to lay a foundation. We must know what we believe. Somebody say amen today. He said, go into all the world and baptize and teach and make disciples. So we're going to do 10 lessons. Um, By the way, the key to learning, I know that 
I've had more and more people tell me they have ADD or ADHD. I know that I have ADHD, okay? So, but, but, I mean, I've had to deal with that all my life. But I look at it as a plus. I'm like, you don't? You don't? That means I'm right-brained and you're not? I know, I know it doesn't just boil down to that. But you do have to, I don't want to use that ever as an excuse to not discipline my mind. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved to God. A worker that doesn't need to be ashamed. You know what ashamed is? Is someone says, what does this mean? And you say, I don't know. No, we're all on the hook for what we believe, right? A a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we're going to get our doctrine from God's word, right out of God's word, okay? So, um, So the key to learning, something that I learned, the key to learning and even focus is curiosity, You know, I've found people that say they have a hard time learning the Bible, but it's because they don't care. They'll learn all about video games, and they can build a computer or a car up, but learning about the Bible, I just don't care. No, the key to activating your mind is curiosity. You have to be curious about this. So even as we're going over today, my favorite subject, or one of them, is the Holy Spirit. I want you to be able to explain the Holy Spirit to a person on the street after today. So did everyone grab, have one of those sheets? Do you have one of those sheets? If you don't have a sheet, we're going to pass it to you right now. Just raise your hand. I want everybody to get one of these sheets. I'm going to go over 20 questions here. You can fill them in. If you say, I don't want to fill them in because I don't want to ruin it because I'm going to go home and copy it off. Take two, okay, if that's you. Take two. We, we, have, we have enough for you. But I want everybody to be able to, um, to learn to the point where you can teach to someone else. You can teach it to someone else. And I'd like for you to teach something out of this to someone this week. Teach something to someone. Um, 20 questions. The good news is it's open book. (laughs) Open book. How many like open book? Yeah. I I, I was about to ask, how many people wrote the book on your arm right here and slipped up your sleeve during the questions during school? Yeah. And they said, well, it's open arm. No, it's open book. It's open the Bible. Someone's raising their hand. You don't have to be honest about that. That's okay. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. Okay, of all that. But it's open book. It's open book. You can open the Bible, and it's all the book, the Word of God. So... Um, praise the Lord. By the way, um, I want to tell you why this is an important subject too. Understanding and knowing the Holy Spirit's essential in your life. It's not just another subject, it's essential. I gave my life to the Lord when I was a young person, when I was a child, really, but it wasn't until 19 years old that I really uh, met the Holy Spirit. I mean really met him as a person and begin to talk with him and ask him questions and really realize that the Holy Spirit was a person. He became very real and very relevant to me. He's the one that I go to from when I'm trying to, um, you know, cook vegetables or an egg or something. I say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to do? I mean, Holy Spirit and YouTube, I mean, between two. But sometimes you get into a spot and you say, would you help me to do it? And I'm telling you, I ask, I ask the Lord all the time, all the time. I ask the Holy Spirit all the time. He's very, very, very relevant um, there's not a charismatic Holy Spirit and a Pentecostal Holy Spirit and a Baptist Holy Spirit, by the way. We don't commandeer the Holy Spirit for ourselves. The Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit. There's only one, right? Amen. So you say, sometimes I'll bring up the Holy Spirit and they're like, yeah, I was raised Baptist. Oh no, they have the whole, I mean, there's the same Holy Spirit. We're talking about the same Holy Spirit. We're not here to draw lines, okay? The Holy Spirit wants to be active in all of our lives. He wants to be active and he wants to be activated in our lives. Um, the Holy Spirit is also, I've realized, a controversial subject. It divides churches. It divides denominations. It divides families. What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? I believe in him. 
Yeah, I do. And I, what do you believe about the experience of the Holy Spirit? Same thing as it's written in the Bible, in the book of Acts. Just open the Bible. I, I believe the book of Acts, the Spirit. Right? I mean, one thing we got going for us here is, is the Bible, okay? We can just open the Bible and just read, and really, you don't have to know Greek or Hebrew. You can just read what it says. That's what we believe, okay, about the Holy Spirit. So subject of the Holy Spirit is uh, sometimes splits churches. So some people stay away from the subject. Other people just assume they know all about it. You may be sitting here today and go, yeah, I know all about the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, the biggest, tr- the biggest barrier to truth is assuming you already have it. The biggest barrier to truth is like, well, this is what I believe. This is what I was raised. I was raised this, and, and this is what I... No, the biggest barrier to truth is assuming you already have it. So can we do this? Can we open our hearts today? In fact, say it today. I open my heart to receive from the wisdom and ministry of the Holy Spirit today. So as we open the word today, let's let him speak to us today. This is the key gift that Jesus commanded his disciples to wait on. And uh, I just, uh, when I first came um, to Memphis and I started talking with people and they'd ask what I believe, everybody wants to know, what do you believe, where are you from? So I believe the Bible. Well, everybody believes the Bible. What do you believe about? And they'd start asking me questions. But when we started Memphis Tabernacle, I was very um, um, hesitant, almost concerned about teaching about the Holy Spirit. Because I'd talk, not that I'm not in love with God, but I would talk about the Holy Spirit and some people would go, oh, you believe that? i just see it on their face. And I'd almost want to go, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to offend you because I like people to like me. I don't know about you. I don't know of anybody who doesn't like, you know, someone to like them. So I'd kind of just be shy about the subject. And at some point, I don't know what it was early on after we launched the church, I just said, I love people too much than to keep this subject from them. I'd rather them just write me off than to keep the, the, the sweetness and the power of God's spirit away from them. So we're just going to teach truth on that. So I believe in the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. The main point I want you to get is that he is the gift bearing gifts. He is the gift. People say, do you believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, I believe in the Holy Spirit and he comes with gifts. He comes bearing gifts. Okay. Um, We're going to go through the fruit of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit. 20 questions, open book. Here we go. Number one, number one is this. Uh, He's our helper, okay? Number one question is this. How did Jesus describe the Holy Spirit? How did Jesus describe the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, you don't have to look it all up in your Bible. We'll put the scriptures up here, but I want you to write out the answers if you could. John 14, 16. How did Jesus describe the Holy Spirit? By the way, do you think Jesus had a good... uh, Accurate description of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Okay, just in case you, you wondered. And I will pray, Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Uh, here's the clue. He will give you another helper. Who was the first helper? He was the helper. Jesus was the one that was helping them, but he was about to go away. But he said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. Someone like Jesus. You think Jesus was a bad person to walk around with? No, then he's saying, someone that's going to come along like me, he's going to come and help you just like me, but he's actually, it's actually going to be better for you in, in, uh, in many ways. He said that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, who the world, you might just... Uh, 
you know, write out some of those. The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the first description he gives of the Holy Spirit is he's a helper. Can you say helper? In other words, he's here to help you. I know that a lot of people will put out the Holy Spirit and say, yeah, oh yeah, he condemns me all the time. Oh yeah, he convicts me all the time. Oh, he, he, he tells me how bad I am all the time. No, 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 he's here, to, he's here to help you. Jesus described him as the helper and as the comforter. He's here to help you. That's what he's here for. But here's some of the things he, and you might want to just jot these down as you see him right there in that text. He's the spirit of truth. He's going to help you tell the truth. He's going to help you know the truth. Um, the Bible, the word says here, Jesus said, he's with you forever. The Holy Spirit is not someone that you go, oh, I forgot it at home. Have you ever written that note, like a shopping list, and then you get to the, the, into the store and you go, oh, darn, I took like 20 minutes writing that whole thing down, trying to get all 10 minutes, whatever, and I, I forgot it at home, you know? But the Holy Spirit, you can't leave at home. He's with you all the time. He goes with you. Um, and he says here, you know him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you and will be in you. He's our helper. Uh, have you ever seen someone picking up something heavy, and you go over to help them, and they're all, I got it. And you're like, hey, hey, man, can I help you? No, 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 I got it. And you're like, dude, this dude's about to break his arm. So you pull pull out your phone or something. You're like, someone check this one. I'm going to save this one, you know, because they don't want any help, pride or something. They don't want any help. Do you know that some people are like that with the Holy Spirit? He's trying to help you. He's trying to tell you about things. He knows everything about everything. And we're like, I don't, I got this one. No, let me tell you, I need, I don't know about you. I need some help. <laughs> I need some help and you need some help, right? He sent to help you. I could use some help. Number two, what are some of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us? What are some of the ways? And I'm just going to read a few verses here, and you can, you can just name them out. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19. It says, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For, and here's one of the ways, it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. So one of the things the Holy Spirit will help you do, the Holy Spirit will help you communicate. The Holy Spirit, you're saying, I don't really know what to say to him. Huh, that's fine. You have the Holy Spirit. You just open your mouth and he'll help you communicate. Have you ever been in a conversation and you start talking and all of a sudden you go, wow, where did I get that from? How did I remember that verse? How did I put that together? And you start going, that must have been something bigger than me. It was. It was the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, John 14, 26, how does the Holy Spirit help you? But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance uh, what I said to you. Bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So another way he helps you, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. If you need help, does anybody know everything about everything? No. So he'll teach you all things. He knows everything. And he'll also bring to your remembrance things. You ever forget stuff? I think what this is saying is the older you get, the more you need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, I forget things. People say, I forget things. Well, the, then the more you need the Holy Spirit to be able to remember things, okay? John chapter 16, it says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you in all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak 
And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. One of the things Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. So he is truth and he'll guide you in all truth. We have the Holy Spirit with us. Where is he? He's with us and he's... Where is he? He's with us and he's inside of us. And he is all truth and he'll guide you in all truth. Which means if you're going a way that's not right or not, what'll happen? Something ding, 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 ding will go off on the inside and you'll know, oh, I never have to make a mistake. If you'll really, if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll never make a mistake. If you'll listen, listen, are you saying you could be perfect? I said, if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit in every decision, you will never make a mistake. And if you'll never make a mistake, you'll be more prosperous and more successful at what God's called you to do. Amen? So he is truth and he'll guide you in all truth. Also, it says that he speaks whatever he hears. You know what that means? You, you ever hear, uh, uh, you ever see a kid, I'm not comparing him to a kid, but I'm saying, you ever see a kid and he just says, he speaks whatever he hears and you go, shut up, you shouldn't speak everything. The Bible says the Holy Spirit speaks whatever he hears, right? What does he do? He gives you the inside scoop on things, right? You come up on a situation, you're like, what's going on with this situation? And all the, well, he's going through this or they're going through that. Or you just know and you don't know how you know. Well, the Holy Spirit gives you the inside scoop on things. He speaks whatever he hears. And the Bible says that he'll tell you things to come. He'll tell you things that are coming up. See, you can watch the news and they'll tell you what happened. The Holy Spirit will tell you what's going to (laughs) happen. It's a whole lot better to know what's going to happen than what already happened, right? Okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive... That was weak. You shall receive... There we go. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all the earth. You'll receive power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. I told you that I need the, uh, uh, the spirit of manhood to light that fire upon me, uh, you know, light the fire in, to, to cook those burgers or steak or whatever it is. Do you know also with tools, <laughs> you know, you see guys who work with tools all the time. You know, they don't mess with manual tools all the time. They work with power tools, right? Power tools. And, and you know, there's, maybe they'll have a little bit of pride to say, I don't need no power tools. I'll go out there. And after a day's work, they're like, I'm going to lower my pride and use the power tools, make sure they're charged up. Do you know the Holy Spirit? He said, you shall receive power. You'll get things done quicker. You'll get done things done more effective. And you're trying to say, it's so hard to serve the Lord. Well, quit trying to serve him with a manual screwdriver. Pull out the power tools, right? You shall receive power. He'll pop that battery in and help things to be quicker and faster and more effective and better and you'll get more done and won't waste as much energy. You shall receive power. And notice, you'll be witnesses, he said. You'll be witnesses unto me. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, for as many as, we're talking about how the Holy Spirit helps you. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you didn't receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Somebody say, Abba, Father. We could, we could translate that, Daddy. Daddy, have you ever had a kid and they came up and go, Daddy, Mommy. Right? That's just so tender. You're like, what do you want? You got it, right? How by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So in this verse, it says we're led by the Spirit of God. He leads us. We have a spirit of adoption by whom we call out, Daddy. He, he gives us a spirit of adoption. You, you know, you've talked... 
take it on the contrast period, people will say you have a spirit of rejection. You know what I mean? I feel rejected wherever I go. But no, we can carry a spirit of adoption wherever we go. Why? We get into a vulnerable situation and people say, well, you have daddy wounds. You have, well, you need the Holy Spirit to get to heal those daddy wounds. Why? Because he said he'll give you a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Daddy, Abba, Father, right? And then he says here uh, that he bears witness or he confirms in our hearts that we're the children of God, that we belong to God. This is how the Holy Spirit helps us. And let me give you one more. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Anybody ever had any weaknesses? Yeah. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. You ever get into prayer and you don't know what to pray about? People say, pray for me, and you're like, I don't know what to pray about, right? He says, for the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Another way he helps is he helps us in our weaknesses, and he helps us to pray, and he makes intercession for us according to the will of God. We don't go, have to go into prayer and pray a bunch of baloney. We don't have to go into prayer and pray a bunch of just fabricated prayers or wrote by rote prayer. We can pray heartfelt prayers according to the will of God because we have the Holy Spirit. You think, that, you think the Holy Spirit would be helpful with all these things if we would, that was kind of a weak yes. You think the Holy Spirit would be helpful? Yeah, if we would just step in and receive his instruction. Okay, now let me talk about number two, the, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. So number one, talked about he's, help, uh, he's helpful. The fruit of the Spirit. Um, Name the nine fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to, it's an open book test. Name the nine fruit of the Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. By the way, the fruit of the Spirit is like the attributes of the Spirit, the DNA of the Spirit. And by the way, before you name them, I want to remind you, your spirit was born of his spirit. You look like your daddy. You talk like your daddy. You have attributes like your daddy, okay? So because people say, well, that's the Holy Spirit's fruits. It is, but when you're born of him, you're born of that same DNA. So the fruit of his spirit is also the fruit of your spirit. So what are name the nine fruit of the spirit. Open book tests. Look on your screens. But the fruit of the spirit is, what are the nine fruit of the spirit, church? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you, as a born-again believer, do you have that fruit? Then do you need to pray for that fruit? No. Do you need to pray that God would give you love? No. Let me ask you, do you need to pray that God would give you a right arm? Do you need to pray that God would give you a left arm? No. But if you need muscles, what do you do? You have to work those things. Right? Some, sometimes you need to work your long-suffering or your patience. And the reason why it feels like you don't have it is because you haven't used it. What do you have to do? You already have long-suffering. You already have self-control. You already have all those things. But you, you already have joy. I don't feel like I have any. Start using it. Start using it. And once you start using it, it'll break it down. And just like a muscle, it'll build it back up. And you'll get stronger in love. Stronger. You don't have to pray for more love. Well, if you pray for more love, it'll be tested. We went over that last week, right? So that's the nine fruit of the Spirit. Number four, uh, ne next question. How do we glorify the Father? How do we glorify the Father? Well, John 15, 8 says, by this my Father is glorified that you, what? Bear much fruit. So how do, if we say, God, I glorify you, what really glorifies the Father? That we bear much fruit. We have the nine fruit of the Spirit. Start using it. 
That's what will glorify the Lord. Um, next question. How do we make sure that we're bearing fruit? How do we make sure that we're bearing fruit? John 15, 4, Jesus said, abide in me. Read it with me. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Let me ask you a question based on that. Can you just make a decision to bear more fruit? Like, I'm just going to, I don't need anything. I'm just, I'm going to start bearing more fruit. No, you can't do it apart from God. You can't do it apart from Jesus. He said, you can't do it, but I am the vine, you are the branches, and here's the answer. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Notice he didn't say, he who abides in me and I in him can bear much fruit. He said, you do. If you're not bearing fruit, you might not want to ask yourself how you're doing with the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, you can test your own joy. If you're not in joy, then you're not bearing some, a, a joy fruit. If you're not in love, then you're not bearing a love fruit, right? You can know. But if you really want to know how you're doing with your fruit bearing, ask someone close to you. How am I doing with my fruit? And you say, I'm not ready to ask him. I'll ask him in about a month. I'll ask him in a little while later on. Okay? But that's how we glorify the Lord is that we bear much fruit. How do we make sure that we're bearing a fruit? Well, John 15 says we abide in Jesus and we let his word abide in us. You cannot bear much fruit if you're not reading the Bible. That's why I read the Bible every day of my life. I don't, and I encourage you to do it. I don't care if it's one verse. I don't care if you pull out and read one verse. Read, it, read something every day. Why? Because you got to get God's word on the inside of you. Abiding in him is staying, staying close to his ear, staying close to what he's saying, and let his word abide in you. The Holy Spirit is, help, is here to help us to bear much fruit. Next question. Question number six. What is the greatest fruit? What is the greatest fruit? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. It says, and now abide faith Hope, love, these three. Read this last one with me. But the greatest of these is? What's the greatest fruit? If you had one fruit to choose off that tree, what would it be? Love. Not faith. Not, not trying to impress somebody. Not trying to be spiritual. Not trying to prophesy. Not trying to speak in tongues. If you're going to pick one, it's are you doing it in love? Are you walking in love? Love is the basis. Love is God. So the number one way to show off God is to show off some love, right? Somebody say amen. Okay. So um, uh, what is the greatest fruit? It's love. Our fruit is of the Spirit. He helps us to be spiritually fruitful. All of the fruit we have is attached to our spirit, his spirit. So he, the Holy Spirit knows how to be fruitful. And he, I didn't say fruity. I said fruitful. And he's trying to help you be fruitful. He's trying to help you be fruitful. Okay, fruitful. Number, the third point, the baptism of the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit. And this is what some people will argue about. Okay, the baptism of the Spirit. And this is my seventh question. We have 20 questions. What did John the Baptist say that Jesus would do? What did John the Baptist say? Well, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. It says, and I indeed baptize you with the with." Excuse me. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, speaking of Jesus, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And read this with me because this is the answer. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus, as the Son of God, his assignment is to lead you to the Holy Spirit to get baptized. That's why he talked about the Holy Spirit. 
That's why he said, do not go anywhere before you get the Holy Spirit. He's trying to get you baptized by the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So that's what John the Baptist said about him. uh, uh, Question number seven, next one. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, what did he tell his disciples to do? Before Jesus ascended to heaven, what did he tell his disciples to do? Well, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but here's what he told him to do. Say it with me. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. What did he say? He said, I'm telling you, this is your command. Don't go out and just witness. Don't go out and just try to perform the power of God. He said, I want you to wait until you have the power tools, until you have the power hookup, until you have the power source, okay? He says, wait until the power comes on you. Don't go out without power. Why? Because you won't go very far. You won't get very far. It won't last very long. You're going to wear out without the power. Also, in in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, we're answering the question before Jesus ascended, what did he tell his disciples to do? Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, read this with me, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. Which he said, you have not, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What did he tell them to do? Don't go out on your own power. Don't go out on your own strength. Make sure that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit before you go out and try to do the works of God. That was a better point than I heard the amen. Amen. Okay, next question, question number nine. What did Jesus say they would receive when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and how would it change them? I know we've read this, but I want to read it one more time. Acts chapter 1. What did the Holy Spirit say when they they would receive, uh, what did Jesus say that they would receive when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and how would it change them? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, and you will receive what? power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power and you'll be witnesses. It'll change you into a witness. This power is going to make people listen to what the gospel is. Why? Because they're going to see a display of power in your life. They're going to see you talking about a powerful God that's superhuman. That's why I think that our world has such a fascination with superheroes and and Marvel and DC and all the things because everyone wants power that supersedes humanity and just our everyday life. So what do we do? We have to make movies about it. But I'll tell you what, who who is the one who wants to display his power? God. And so what did he say? He says, before you go out and witness, you shall receive power. Make sure that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Number 10, next question. What did Jesus say would flow out of believers' hearts after they receive the Holy Spirit? What did he say would flow out of their hearts after they receive? John chapter uh, 7, verse 37, it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, and said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, read it with me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit. Which spirit? 
the Holy Spirit, right? This he spoke concerning the Spirit, who those believing in him would, would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So what did he say would flow out of them once the Holy Spirit came upon them? Rivers of living water. Uh, I, I, th- I think it's interesting that he said it will flow out of you because I think we would think, it, doesn't the Holy Spirit flow into us? Doesn't he flow into us? What does it mean, out of us? Well, when you start putting something, if you take a glass and you start pouring water into it and keep pouring into it, into it, into it, what's going to eventually happen? It's going to overflow and now it's going to pour out of it. So what is he saying? He's saying, I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit into you so much when you're baptized in the Spirit. Now now the Spirit's going to come out of you and you're going to have rivers of living water that's going to pour outside. And who are the living water? Who is the living water uh, for? It's for people around you. See, the fruit of the Spirit is for us, mainly. But the gifts of the Spirit are for others. I know that people eat of the fruit of the Spirit uh, uh, as well. But the fruit of the Spirit is inside of us for us, and the gifts of the Spirit is for others. The Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit on you. The Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit on you. Okay. So notice that there's not just an inflow but an outflow, or we would say an overflow. Question number 11. What happened to the following believers when they received the Holy Spirit? This is a little bit longer one, and I'm just going to read through it. And I want you to try to pay attention here. Lean in on this one. There's five places that we see in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit was poured out. And I want you to notice in all five places exactly what happened when he was poured out. People would say, you can't make this stuff up. We don't have to. It's right here in the Bible, okay? Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all, say with me, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, say it with me, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice they became full of the Spirit and overflowed with tongues. The Spirit was poured in, they became full of the Spirit, and they overflowed with tongues, which is spiritual language, okay? They spoke with other tongues. What does that mean? Well, other than their native tongue. Other than their native tongue, they spoke with another tongue that was a spiritual tongue. I want you to notice also there's a terminology here with terminology. The, uh, the, in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 5, it says that they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, three, three verses later, it says, the Holy Spirit would come upon you, Jesus said. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are all three the same thing. If you're uh, baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon you, or being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, this is important for you to know. You might go, this is irrelevant. It's not when someone asks you. Is ba- being baptized with the Holy Spirit the same thing as being filled with the Spirit? You're like, I don't know. To go back and listen to that message. I'm telling you right now, it's the same thing in in the Bible because they all referred to the same thing. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon you and being filled with the Holy Spirit is all the same thing. Now, after this initial time in the book of Acts, eight years later, uh, after the day of Pentecost, we read in Acts chapter 8, and it says, Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, they heard that Samaria had received the word of God. What does that mean, receive the word of God? Well, they became believers. They received the word. And they, then they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, some people say, when you're saved, you already received the Holy Spirit, didn't you? 
Well, he wasn't talking about being saved. You do have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, but the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon you. He was talking about a different thing. He said, had they received the whole... I know they received Jesus and they're saved. Had they received the Holy Spirit yet? Okay. He says here, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen, notice upon, outside, he had fallen upon none of them. They were saved, but he hadn't fallen upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Some people will make that into a doctrine and say, well, that means unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized or the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're not saved. No, that's not true. He says that, you know, they believed in Jesus. They were baptized in the name of Jesus, just the Holy Spirit hadn't come on them yet. Then they laid hands on them and they received who? The Holy Spirit. By the way, it's a who. The Holy Spirit's a person, not a, not a it, not a smoke, not a dove, not a flame, not a feeling, not an emotion. It's a person. He's a person, okay? They received the Holy Spirit, and it says, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. How did he see? Well, it didn't say that they spoke in tongues, but it says that they saw something upon them. They saw power come upon them. It might have been that they saw that they were speaking in a different language. I don't know what it said, but it didn't say, and I'm not going to read into it. But he did say that something came upon them so much that he says, how much? I'm going to offer you some money. And he said, give me this power also that anyone who I lay hands on can receive the Holy Spirit. Simon saw something come upon them, and he saw power on them, and he said, I want to buy it. Okay? So um, then we read down in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. It says, and Ananias went went his way and returned uh, and entered the house and laying his hands on him. He's talking about laying his hands on Saul. This is after Saul. He used to persecute Christians and then he had the great light come and so he went and went to go meet Ananias and he was blind. He was like, who? Where's Ananias, right? And he went up to him and Ananias comes up to him and it says, and laying his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, he sent me that you may receive your sight and be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Saul had already turned to Jesus. He just hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. Okay? He said, receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, his eyes... Uh, there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. I want you to notice also he, he got baptized after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not like, okay, saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. If it's not that order, you, something that does have to precede being baptized and being filled with the Holy Spirit is salvation. You have to have salvation first. But then the next two, this one... Saul just kind of did it out of order, okay? It says he, re, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and, um, and then he arose and he was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and Saul spent some days uh, with the disciples. It doesn't say that Saul, Saul spoke with tongues here. It's another place that doesn't say it. But if you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. He must have been from the south. No, he said, more than y'all. He said, more than y'all. I speak in tongues more than you all. That's what he said. Which means that he did receive, right, his, his spiritual language. Okay. Ten years later after Pentecost, why am I saying the years after? Because some people say, well, the day of Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and after that, it, it's irrelevant. 
Well, this is eight years later. Here's 10 years later. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed and were astonished, the Jews, as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They're like, what? I know he was poured out on us 10 years ago, but what, why is he poured out on them? He says, for they heard them speak in tongues and magnify with God. How did he know the Holy Spirit had been poured out? Because they were speaking in tongues. On the Gentiles after. In other words, it wasn't just a one-time act. This is 10 years later. The Holy Spirit is still being poured out. They received the Spirit and they started speaking in tongues 10 years later and magnify God they spoke in tongues. Now 20 years later, after Pentecost, 20 years later, in the book of Acts chapter 19, it says, and it happened while Apollos was in, at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, uh, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Who did he find? Disciples. Were they believers? Yeah, they were disciples. They were followers of Jesus. And look at what question he asked them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, wait a minute. If, if you already get the Holy Spirit when you believe, why, did, why would he ask them that question? No, it's a separate experience. It's a distinct experience. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we haven't so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. <laughs> I think there's some churches that way today. He says, and he said to them, I don't know of any of them. Uh, into what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. We talked about it last week. Saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Jesus Christ. He's saying, I know you've received Jesus Christ. He says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. So, so they hadn't been baptized in water yet. He was trying to say, well, you've been, you know, you believe in Jesus, but now you need to be baptized. So it says, then they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That would be in water. And when Paul laid his hands on him, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. So notice they were already believers. They just hadn't been water baptized, nor had they been Holy Spirit baptized yet. Okay? So he just said, let's just get her done. Come on, somebody, let's just get her done. Why do we need to wait for so long? We don't need to tarry anymore, right? Let's move on with it. They were saved, but they hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit or received him yet. So the Holy Spirit came upon them, and what did we hear? They began to speak with other tongues. Some people say, well, how, do you, how do you know that they received the Holy Spirit? Well, here it says that's how they knew. Okay, that's how they knew. Uh, question number 12, who is the promise of the Spirit available to? Who is the promise of the Spirit available to? Well, when the initial evidence was poured out, when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit was originally poured out in Acts chapter 2, they came to him and they said, what's happening? Are these guys drunk? He said, don't worry, they're not drunk. Uh, this is the Holy Spirit that's come upon them. And they looked at him and said they believed. Uh, and then he said, repent, right? And, and it says, they're like, what should we do? That's what they asked. What should we do? We went over it last week. And then he says here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, then Peter said to them, somebody say, repent. You know what that is? That's salvation salvation. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. That's water baptism. Repentance, water baptism, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's spirit baptism. So we see all three of them right there. Repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's all three right there in that verse. He says, for the promise, and here's the answer of who the promise is for. 
For the promise is to you, read it with me, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God our, our God would call. Meaning, you have to be saved. This isn't for unbelievers. This isn't for someone to buy this gift. You have to be saved. You have to have repented in order to be able to receive this gift. But it's to you, it's to your children, and it's to all who are far off. Notice it didn't say, this gift is stops with the book of Acts. No, I didn't read that. No, he said, this is for you. What was he talking about? He was talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and his gifts. To you, to your children, and to all who are far off. Who is the promise of the Holy Spirit available to? To you, your children, and all who are far off. Somebody... Uh, answer me this question today. Who is the Holy Spirit available to in this room? Say to me. Yeah, yeah. Number 13, question 13. Who does the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to? Who does the Father give the Holy Spirit to? Well, Luke chapter 11, verse 13 says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? And here's the answer to those who ask him. Somebody say, those who ask him. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we know about this, just to wrap up number three here, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate experience from salvation. It can happen at the same time of salvation. But you can be saved, uh, not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You, you can be saved, but not baptized in the Holy Spirit. But why would, why would you want to? Why would you want to be saved and not be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Okay. Um, also, uh, something we learned out of this is a primary evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues. Some people argue over the, 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 the words and the initial evidence, the initial evidence. In other words, you don't speak in tongues, you're not baptized. I can't say that. But I can say that we see in Scripture that a primary thing you see that someone would be baptized, it doesn't point out that they grew an inch taller or that they became more spiritual or that, you know, or that they started talking, uh, you know, they, they started learning education really faster. It wasn't just, no, it says that they spoke in tongues. I mean, it, it is a primary thing that we see in the Bible. So primary evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Out of the five places, three of them say that specifically and two of them infer it or something to it, or two of them. Uh, Paul's experience doesn't say that he did again, but we know he did. Um, so it is a primary evidence. And then also the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to all believers who will ask. But I haven't received, have you asked? And also not only asked, have you received? If I were to walk up and I were to say, hey, Mark, come here for one second, Mark. Hey, I've been noticing you're straining your eyes with that Bible. I want to give you that. I want to give you that. I want to give you that. Yeah, he, he opens his hand and he receives it, right? But put your hands behind your back, could you? Just, yeah. Mark, I want you to take this. Yeah. I, am I giving it to him? I can give it to him, but he's not receiving it, right? Thank you, Mark. That was awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Last of all, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. N number 14. What are the nine manifestations of the Spirit? And you can just read these quick. 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Notice it's given to a person to profit everybody, not to profit that person. The gifts are not to show off. The gifts are not to spiritually flex your muscles. No, they're to profit other people, okay? He says, uh, that for the profit of all. For to one is given, and the question is, what are the nine gifts? Say it with me, the word of wisdom, 
Through the Spirit to another, the word of knowledge is another one. Through the same Spirit to another, faith. By the same Spirit to another, gifts of healings. By the same Spirit to another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So those are the nine gifts of the Spirit. Question 15. Who works and distributes these gifts as he wills? Well, it says here in in 1 Corinthians, it says, but... One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I want you to notice, you don't say, I have the gift of prophecy. I have, or I, or I have the gift of discerning of spirits. I have the gift of faith. No, you may operate it in it, but it's not your gift. It's the Holy Spirit's gift. And he, you don't flex it whenever you want. You don't turn it on. You, if, you, if the Lord uses you with words of wisdom and words of knowledge, you don't get to decide when that happens. You can make yourself available, but there's times that you won't catch anything, and you're like, I didn't get anything. And the more you're honest about that, I think the more the Lord can trust you and use you, right? Because sometimes we, we, people become, that becomes their identity is in using that and they start to flex those gifts and it's not operating in love. Instead, it's operating in self and then it's hard to, to use those gifts. So the Holy Spirit, it's as the Spirit wills to an individual to every, uh, for everybody, okay? He, he works and distributes these gifts as he wills. Uh, number 16, number 16, hang, hang in with, with me here. What, a, what attitude should we have regarding spiritual gifts? What attitude should we have? Uh, or should it be indifference or should it be that we should, well, let's read 1 Corinthians 14. It says, pursue love and, read these three words, desire spiritual gifts. We should desire them, but especially that you may prophesy. Every person in here should desire to be used in the gifts. Why? To bless other people. Okay. Number 17. What does 1 Corinthians say about the gift of prophecy? About the gift of prophecy, okay? Well, verse 1, it says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So you should desire to prophesy. Every person should desire to prophesy. Uh, Verse 3 says, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. We should desire to edify, that's to encourage, to exhort, or edify to build up, to exhort, to encourage, and to uh, edify the church to bring peace and comfort to them. So to edify, um, excuse me, edification, exhortation, and comfort to men, verse 3. So those are the three things that you know what biblical prophecy is doing. Uh, point, or excuse me, verse number 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. In other words, when you speak in tongues, you build yourself up. Jude 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up. It's, it's not bodybuilding, it's spirit building. One of the things your spirit, spiritual language does, if I'm feeling down in the dumps, if I'm feeling out of it, what do I do? I pray in the spirit. I take time to pray in the spirit. And what do I do? It builds my spirit up. It makes me more, uh, uh, have more attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. So he edifies himself, but if you prophesy, you're edifying the church. So what does he say to desire? To desire to prophesy. Verse 31 says, for you can all prophesy one by one. What else does the Bible say about prophecy? Everyone can do it. Everyone can prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And then verse 39 says, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and don't forbid to speak in tongues. Another thing we should do, we should all desire to prophesy. Somebody say, I desire to prophesy. 
Oh, I thought it was just for those people. No, no, no. Prophecy is for you too. Okay, question 18. We got three more to go. Question 18. What does 1 Corinthians say about the use of tongues? Tongues. Uh, Verse 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. I don't like tongues because I don't understand it. That's because it's not to you. (laughs) It's to God. That's why the Bible says when you come together, don't spend the majority of your time speaking in tongues. doesn't help people. Prophecy does right? So he says, uh, it's, we don't speak to men, but to God. Verse four says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Tongues edify you, builds you up. Verse five, I wish you all spoke with tongues, even more that you prophesied. What is he saying? He's saying, Paul says, I wish all of you spoke with tongues. He didn't say some of you or those who have the gift. He says, "I I wish all of you did. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all. He says, but he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. What is he saying? In the church, prophecy is better unless the tongue that's spoken is interpreted. Why? Because the thing that's interpreted is what encourages people and helps them to grow. Verse 13, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. What does that mean? It means that we should be able to pray that we can interpret some of the things that we speak out. I know that I've done this in my personal time, done this in prayer nights, done this in Sunday mornings at times. Uh, Verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is uh, unfruitful. What does that mean? Tongues is your spirit praying. Sometimes people feel very uncomfortable with them not being in control. I need to control what I say. Watch what you say. You've been told all your life. Watch what you say. And so you go to speak in tongues and you're like, how? So you feel very uncomfortable, right? But tongues is my spirit praying, not your mind, not your understanding, but your spirit praying. And then verse 15, it says, what is the conclusion then? Here's the conclusion. I will pray with the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. We can and should pray and sing out spiritually. Spiritually, okay? That's what the Bible says. Two more questions. Verse 19. What should be our motivation for desiring and operating in spiritual gifts? Well, 1 Corinthians 1, or 13, 1 and 2 says this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not what? Everybody? Love. I have not, I've become a sounding brass. Ding, 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 ding. I don't want to hear your gifts. I'm tired of you trying to speak and impress me. All you're doing is showing off you don't have love inside of you, shut up. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. saying, Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I don't have love, what does the Bible say? I'm nothing. Shut up, sit down, work on your love walk. (laughs) Amen? Love. What's the most important motivation? Love. What's the only motivation? Love. And then last of all, number 20. Last of all, you made it through. Congratulations. Here's number 20. Okay, here we go. What are we warned not to do? What are we warned not to do about the Holy Spirit? Well, Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? It means he can be grieved. He's a person. Don't grieve. the. Have you ever, have you ever grieved the Holy Spirit? I have. Has he ever told you to do something and you were too embarrassed to do it? Yeah. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were saved for the day of redemption. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. You know what quench is? Something's on fire and you throw a blanket over it. Or you throw, you throw some water over it and it quenches it. It puts it out. 
Don't put the Holy Spirit out. I said, don't put the Holy Spirit. Have you ever done it? I have. He says, don't do it. Don't quench the Spirit and don't despise prophecies. Despise prophecies, by the way, is someone starts prophesying and you roll your eyes and go, here they go again. <laughs> You're laughing because you've done it. Here they go again. Here goes the prophecies. Don't despise prophecies, right? Don't quench the Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Read this one to you. It says, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Listen, do not forbid tongues. Someone who says, we don't allow tongues. The Bible says, don't do that. Don't forbid tongues. Do not forbid tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. What is he saying? He's saying, do not forbid tongues. Do not forbid tongues. Let the spiritual operations happen. But he says, let all things be done decently and in order. Let them be done. Let them operate. But let them operate with order. And I think sometimes we read this book and we're like, yeah, I believe in order. You don't even let, you don't have anything to order. <laughs> nothing, nothing being done, right? There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing being done. You got to let them be done before there's decently and in order. Somebody know what I mean? We're a Holy Spirit teaching church. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.